You're listening to What's the Story podcast, brought to you by Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Go to www.fitzpatrickcastle.com for more. Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 148. My name is Danny Murray. I'm Graham Merrigan. How are you both? Good, how are you? Absolutely tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Uh, straight in, no kissing, Merrow. Yeah. Who is our guest this week? Our guest this week is TV and radio presenter, broadcaster, Con Murphy. How are you, Con? I'm good, lads. Very good. Thanks for having me. Now oh, a podcaster. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, before we say anything, can I just say, how do I follow... Danny Morrison. You're going oh. from Premier League <laughs> to Vauxhall Conference <laughs> in one program. <laughs> now, I've seen some good Vauxhall Conference matches, so don't yeah. switch yeah. off. Yeah. But uh, Danny Morrison was brilliant. Well done, lads. Yeah. Very, very good. It was really interesting, gent. wasn't it? Oh, Jesus. And as you were saying, both of you afterwards, like you could have spoken to him for another hour yeah. and it would have, yeah. been, would have been interesting. Yeah, and he probably would have gave us another hour as well. Oh, he was a yeah. gent. Really? It was yeah. amazing, yeah. yeah. I, th- I mean, they do say, now that I'm in the podcast business, <laughs> yeah. uh, that they They've done some sort of research and they say like an hour is about the best time yeah. for a podcast because people, you know, if they're commuting or whatever, it's the best. Mm. I know the um, the Rovers one recently was four hours and oh, yeah. 20 from minutes. The, Tales from the East End. It, it took yeah. me about three goes to listen yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you could have done another hour with him. He yeah. was he was amazing. It's I suppose one of the things as well, like it's a blessing and of course for we we don't do notes we don't do that we just go raw and what comes what comes with it. and sometimes it's great because you end up with this real laid back just kind of organic chat that that's people, the best way to have it i think, feel yeah. a part of yeah but then the downside is like last week where the hour was open we we're like shit there's so much we yeah. didn't ask yeah. that we could yeah. you know yeah. but yeah you're all the dice sometimes and yeah. even though we didn't get to ask everything we wanted to he was still deadly so yeah. but yeah. I, I was actually looking at the Doggy Book Festival lineup today and I was actually surprised someone of his stature or, or someone maybe a unionist and Republican weren't on it to discuss yeah given the Brexit yeah. yeah because the Brexit is being discussed at it and yeah. feminism's being discussed at it and there's another anniversary of something to being discussed of it. I thought that would have been a great platform for He'd be it, a great yeah. guest. Yeah, he would. Yeah. And as brilliant. you say, even if you wanted to get somebody from the other side as well, just Both, to kind yeah. of trash it Who out. would you get from the other side, I wonder? That's... Yeah. I don't read too many of their books. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're still alive, you'd, and you'd probably get David Irvine. Like, yeah. he'd be yeah, more... He was, he was quite... Uh, reasonable. Reasonable enough yeah. to talk, but yeah, you wouldn't yeah. get Sammy Wilson or any of those, oh, no, no, no. or Robinson or anything like that. Yeah. Maybe I mean David Trimble is he still hale and hearty it'll be interesting to see 20 years later now what he thinks of how things have panned out and stuff how they've progressed and how the UP have kind of just gone is it David McWilliams who organises that yeah Yeah, him and his wife yeah Yeah. Yeah. we put a shout in today and you can moderate (laughs) (laughs) totally (laughs) unbiased (laughs) (laughs) totally unbiased It'd be hard for you to leave the green jersey at the door, would it? I know, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, leaving all that aside, then, greatest league in the world podcast. First of all, congratulations, because it's absolutely flying, um, and it's it's a great listen. I have just this season took up League of Ireland, um, mainly to annoy him. <laughs> I decided I'd be a Bowes fan for the season, uh, but I've actually despite myself I've enjoyed it sorry for your troubles yeah, sorry yeah, there, uh, yeah I know I'm, that's it myself, when we have PJ Geller on that's what you're talking about are you the pox or am I the pox <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah and I've, I've picked up a few episodes from what you guys are doing and it's great as 
a very very casual fan because you just give the right amount of everything I think like, yeah, so congratulations yeah. first of all well, but I, I mean to be honest with you I think um, from our point of view the, the kind of USP is um, having Conan on like mm. so he's playing week in week out and he's able to come in and talk about you know what somebody said to the referee or you know what the referee said to him or just little insights that maybe people sitting up in the press box wouldn't have you know yeah, yeah. and even like the way he's able to pick young players who are coming through not even just from his own team but like he's played against everybody a few times now and he's able to say you know that young lad at you know Dundalk or whatever it is um, he's picked out Aaron Bolger hasn't he yeah, 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 yeah. He thought he was very good. Although, I, funnily enough, I thought he, the last couple of weeks Aaron hasn't been playing. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, uh, yeah. at full tilt. But um, I mean, he was really keen on this young lad Thomas Byrne at at St Pat's, who got sent off last weekend. And actually, when he was talking about him on our podcast, he was saying the one thing we need to do is get him to kind of uh, control himself because he got sent off in Bray for just back chat Seen with the it, referee yeah. and uh, silly wasn't it Conan wasn't 100% sure what he said but it must have been fairly bad for the ref to come out and just produce a red card yeah, straight away yeah. and even when uh, Pats played Rovers in, in Tala he kind of lost the head in the last 15 minutes mm. of the match the fans in the stands were kind of you know riling him and he allowed, he was looking up at the stand and he was kind of making face and he totally lost his focus on the game so so that's something that he's going to have to really work hard at. He's only a young lad, is he? Thomas Very Moore? young. He's only 19, yeah. Oh, God. Um, but yeah. He's, Conan said he's the best player that he's ever played with in the league. Potentially the best player ever. Well. And he's played with a lot of very good players down through the years. So yeah. it's a bit like, I mean, Graham Burke got sent off last twice year, last yeah. season yeah. for Shamrock Rovers. Both silly red cards. And, and young lads, they just need to learn to control their emotions. And it's part of the game now. And, and Has Thomas spent time in England? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Has he come back from somewhere? I don't. That's a yeah. sick mark question now. Yeah. Uh, hang on. Let me let me Google him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, keep an eye out for him. If if, yeah, if you're at a yeah. Bose Pats match, um, like I watched him very closely after Conan had spoken to me about him, and like he's lovely touch on the ball and mm. lovely passer of the ball. Um, good vision and all that kind of stuff and and this is the thing about the league I mean you know this Meryl better than anybody probably you know you watch players coming through the league here and to be able to say you know I watched uh, Seamus Coleman when he was playing for Sligo Rovers or James mm-hmm. McLean when he was playing for Derry City or Graham Burke when he was playing for Shamrock Rovers before his 6 million euro move to uh, wherever he goes to <laughs> hopefully um, but it is it is great to be able to say you know I saw yeah. those young lads com- coming through yeah. and but it's great to even McGuire. have Burkey score and not for Ireland like yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Rovers oh. are selling their jerseys Rob- and all next week big time goal. big time um, yeah. you robbed that goal and I'd say I'd say <laughs> I'd say I put a few well, maybe not a few knots, but put a, an extra knot on his on yes. his um, yeah. on his feet, maybe. Yeah, and in fairness, it is like I mean, I know there was tweets flying. What was it, thirty something years since the last forty, forty something? Yeah. Geez, even, yeah, you know, and that was a Rovers player, as well. Ray Tracy, Ray Tracy. Thank you. Um, God bless him. <laughs> and like, even that in itself, like hearing that is kind of jarring in a way. You're kind of mm. like, hang on a second, you're talking forty odd years since mm. a league of Jesus, how like. You know, and that's I suppose I mean we had a situation where, I mean Trapattoni, 
didn't Not go to it, just didn't yeah. recognise the league at all. I mean, he, he, I still give him a little bit of slack in that he said, we have no league in, in Ireland. And that was taken, the people said he, said he was assuming that there was no league at all in Ireland. When he was, he knew that there is a league here, but I suppose in his bad English, yeah. he wasn't able to articulate properly that he kind of felt that the players weren't good enough or whatever. But before him, like um, Jack Charlton yeah. didn't really give, I mean, I, I think he gave... Um, couple of caps Peter Eccles got one cap oh, yeah. and, and stuff um, Mick McCarthy Mick McCarthy funnily enough is well aware of the league and he brought yeah. players over to England uh, in his time as a manager there mm. but never gave anybody from the league a cap so I mean did he, he called people up though didn't he, he called Glenn Grow up uh, I don't think he played he was him though. gone at that point oh he was gone was yeah, he yeah that was Don um, Givens was it it was for the I think it was a friendly out in right. Greece or something yeah, like that yeah I think it was and Glenn Crow yeah. played in that and I think uh, Jason Byrne Jason was yeah. called did, up as yeah. well and yeah. so we've had a few fellas who've been kind of flirting with the squad for a while but it's great I mean the fact that Graham started the game like he was picked in the starting 11 yeah. he wasn't just a fella who was you know thrown on for the last five minutes or whatever yeah. uh, I think that gives you an idea that Oh, Martin O'Neill rates him but all the, Conan was saying on, on our programme that he felt that he won't become a regular in the squad until he moves to uh, What do you think club? about yeah. that? I, th- I, th- I probably would tend to agree with Conan considering Martin O'Neill's post-match comments Well Martin I think Martin O'Neill was almost putting a line in the sand there and saying yeah. you know the game passed him by a bit and a lot of people didn't agree with that at all mm. and felt that he had played a really good game and, and didn't look out of place he's a very skillful player Um but I think O'Neill was kind of saying, I'd like him to be playing at least in the championship in England. You know, if he's playing for Blackburn Rovers yeah. rather than Shamrock Rovers, his chance of getting into the squad is going to be better. I mean, Martin actually said to us, we, we did an interview with him for, for our um, podcast. And I think we had turned off the mics and we were just kind of saying goodbye. And we were having a chat about the League of Ireland players getting into the squad and stuff. And he kind of felt that the standard of the league here is very good. You're, you're going to see great players playing in great matches, but the standard of the opposition that the players are playing against isn't high enough. The pace of the game isn't high enough for a guy to make the step onto the international stage yeah. where he might be playing in a like a, a competitive international qualifier mm. for the World Cup or European Championships that you, know, you need to be playing against really good players all the time mm. and you're going to improve then. So it was a bit disheartening for me being yeah. a League of Ireland fan, but I can yeah. kind of see where he's coming from as yeah. well. You know, I can kind of see where he's coming from as well. And I mean, I think Berkey, Berkey's inclusion was probably because when O'Neill got took a seat in Tala, he scored that cracker against Cork. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. probably couldn't not yeah. pick him for a group and of friends. he was friends. very good that night he's against brilliant. Cork. He's been anyway. brilliant this season. Yeah. He's been yeah. our best player. I mean, if, if you put a, a showreel of his goals from this season already just to an agent in Europe or something and said, yeah. look what this young fella has done this season I mean his goals from 25 yards left foot right from Waterford foot, down in Waterford uh, the one down in Waterford you know beautiful control of the ball I mean you could do it and actually I know a couple of people in the past who have put together little tapes for players who are looking for a move abroad or whatever and it's generally it works yeah. You know, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you show an agent this guy's best bits they're going to look at him and say Jesus he's capable of this you know yeah. and Graham Burke's like the, the best of Graham Burke this season is it's a great highlight off the Richter scale yeah you know? it is I, I, when I was I was at the match against the USA on Saturday and to be honest I was doing a player cam I was just watching work because yeah. I was a bit excited you know yeah. and um, 
I just kept giving out. Me and my friend were there, and I kept saying, "What the? F- why are they passing it to him?" Yeah, like McLean yeah. went down the wing in the second half. Bet two or three players. Another player was coming up to him. Burke was on his own outside the box, cr- yeah. screaming for the yeah, ball, yeah. and he didn't give it to him. And then next minute, you see Coleman coming from right, right wing position, coming over, and he eh McLean. Did he? He was at yeah. him. He was like, "Why didn't you pass it?" And yeah. he kept pointing to Burke. And it would that, that was and just that's the, where he's really dangerous from that, as well. That area, exactly. Just, you know, twenty yards. I was out like, give him the ball. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I wonder why O'Neill didn't notice his off the ball stuff. Like, because he said he felt for fifteen minutes the game passed him by. I, you see, I don't know if he actually means that. To be honest with you, I think he was just saying something to kind of dampen down uh, expectation. Expectation. The, uh, I mean, Martin O'Neill is a football man, and you know, you look at the analysis that Gary Breen did afterwards, or Kenny Cunningham or um, they all. even Richie on RTE Richie Sadler they yeah. all gave him a glowing report mm. so it would have been easy for the manager to come out and say the lad had, you know, was really impressive and yeah. you know if he says that though then he doesn't pick him for the next squad people are saying but jeez you said he was really impressive in yeah. the last game you know, why aren't you picking him now and suddenly you have a new Wes Houlihan situation why aren't you yeah. picking him whereas by dampening it down and saying ah the game passed him by a bit you know the pace of the game whatever if he isn't included the next time, at least Martin can say, well, look, you know, we gave him a chance and uh, his time might come in the future, but uh, not now. Do you uh, think yeah. um, there's, there was other players warranted a call-up for these series of friendlies? I mean, like, I, I'm how could you overlook at yeah. the moment for Dundalk. Um, how could you overlook Michael Duffy as well, though? Who's been brilliant. Yeah. Who has been brilliant. I mean, both of those players. Again, it comes back to what we were saying earlier on, though, of... Are players in the League of Ireland playing against good enough opposition to show that they can do that, you know, game in, game out on the international stage? And mm. I mean, my argument is that they probably could. Yeah. I mean, I don't think James McLean suddenly became a world beater after he moved from Derry. He was a great player in Derry. Mm. Seamus Coleman, you know, was playing brilliantly for Sligo Rovers. when he, That's why he got the move. Um, but Daryl Horgan as well, like when they were playing in the Europa League, he was... He was playing brilliant absolutely yeah. he could have done yeah. that for Ireland yeah. in a friendly yard I, I totally agree the last um, 20 minutes of a game or yeah. you know. actually in fairness to Martin I think he did make that point on the um, on the podcast that we did with him that players who've done it in you know say Europa League the teams that get to the group phase like Dundalk and Rovers did then you know if they can shine on that stage that's a sign that they're capable of doing it you know? already and so I think you're right I think like say this season now if Dundalk are playing in the Europa League and Duffy is, you know, running rings around defenders or Huben is scoring goals, you know, left, right and centre. I mean, we need somebody who can score a goal. Mm. Yeah. Badly. Mm. Very badly. Yeah, very badly, yeah. Um, so I just thought he looked physically like a proper centre forward mm. Pat Huben. And, and I mean, I don't know, what is it, what's he scored? Fif- 15 goals? In I don't know. I remember 20 f- matches. On Friday night looking at the size of his legs. His calves yeah. are absolutely, they're like a rugby player. Absolutely. They're yeah. ginormous. Big guy. Actually, yeah. a lot of the Dundalk team um, are physical yeah. giants. Because like, yeah. Yeah. I think they pushed us off the ball far too much last yeah. Friday. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, I thought second half especially they were like it was like men against boys and, mm-hmm. and I think haven't they got a new um, strength and conditioning, conditioning coach, coach yeah, who yeah. apparently is now he wouldn't have worked wonders in the space of a couple of weeks but uh, I but think the guy right. before him went to Loud GAA he was, was, he was very good by yeah. all accounts as well yeah. so I mean they did look physically big guys you Beasts know they were. Um, I couldn't believe I, yeah. Pat uh, Hoban 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 he prefers Hoban so I go with Hoban alright Hoban um, 
he came over to where I was sitting just to, to take a throw, yeah. and he was scratching his his leg, and I said to the lads, "What the, the size of his calves? They're ginormous!" <laughs> like um, we're at the half point now of the league. How, generally speaking, not just Rovers, but generally speaking, how how do you think the league's going? Well, it's great. Bows are in the bottom three or four, so uh, that's all right. Rovers are doing too much better, lads. <laughs> just want to say. Um, yeah, talk to me in three months' time. And we'll see. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's always been a two-horse race. I know they were saying on telly recently that maybe Waterford or somebody might come into. Uh, wow. That didn't. I, I thought it was always going to be Dundalk or Cork, and um, I mean that's and and actually. Even though Cork are on top now, I'd still put my money on Dundalk yeah. all the way. Um, they're a better football team than Cork at the moment. Yeah. I think I mean, Cork watch. fans get very offended when you when you say this that that mm. Dundalk are going to win the league, and they will want to stick that up us big time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Dundalk play a nicer brand of football. Yeah, than Cork yeah. at the moment, and and I think even Cork fans would have to admit that. I mean, Dundalk are playing some gorgeous stuff as you say yeah. um, Duffy like for anybody who's listening to this right who's never been to a, a League of Ireland match and you're probably saying oh Jesus why are they still talking about the League of Ireland all I'd say to them is this if you go to your local team and you watch Graham Burke playing for Shamrock Rovers or if you're up in Louth and you go and watch Michael Duffy or mm. um, Pat Hooban if you're down in Cork you know there's, there's a couple of really good young lads down there as well. I mean, you're going to see some really, really top, top up-and-coming players and it's going to cost you 10 or 15 euros. If you go to a match in England, it's going to cost you 200 by the time you get over there and buy your ticket. So, you know, bring your kids, show them what real football is all about because Mm. I'm hoping that you're getting the bug, Danny, you know, that it's catching. I honestly thought it was going to be something that I do for three or four matches and then the novelty of slagging him would wear it off. Um, especially <laughs> on opening night when Rovers lost the balls. That was... I mean, we, we were out in Bray yeah. uh, recording an episode out in Bray and we were trying... We tried to watch it on a little telly out there that was broke so then we tried to watch it on our phones and just... Yeah, but... Um, yeah, the bug has bit me a little bit more than I thought it would, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to stick with balls despite... All day. What, was it yeah. just purely to piss him off that you picked Bowles? A little it? bit, to be honest with you, because yeah. I didn't really feel like I had, because I, I literally came into it to it completely blind, completely ignorant in a way. Um, I mean, I'd been to a couple of Bray Wanderers matches yeah. over the years as a kid and that kind of thing, Like, but I, I've no affiliation to Rovers, as, and, and people keep saying, but Rovers, you're a Southsider, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I feel no affiliation to whatsoever. So literally, we, we put up a thing on, well, I put up a thing on Twitter, asking who should I support and I put Rovers around the options and everybody that replied was like do not get in on the bandwagon with him do so I was like well right balls it is then well for the programme actually it's probably better that you're not well not yeah for a bit of cracking that but yeah like I've, I've found myself like on a Friday night you know jumping on live score and checking it every couple yeah, of minutes yeah. and you know mostly it's been absolute heartache or just being like Come on, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it. Look, it's I'm going to be first match this Friday against Derry. Uh, well, by the time this goes out, the game will be over. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that was know. a great two 0 win for Derry. Imagine it's two 0 But Derry have lost what five in a row now. Yeah. So yeah. what's wrong with Derry? I'm kind of hoping that whatever is wrong with them stays wrong with them. Yeah. At least yeah. for another couple of days. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But um, always play good football this year. They're young lads. Like they just mm. can't 
really get on a run of They could do it. Yeah. Pat Hoogan up front as well. You know, yeah. somebody who'll score 15 goals a season. Somebody like, mm. you know, Gary Twig. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You know, any team that does well, even Cork have a uh, Graham Cummins who's scoring, you know, nine, ten yeah, goals already yeah. this season. Any team needs a goal scorer. I think that's Bo's... It, yeah, don't the Pats don't have it either actually yeah it seems to be in fairness and I mean Rovers problems are in an area where Bowes are like I mean Rovers keeper is definitely I think their, their weak link this year where the Supple seems to be doing quite well you know what I mean and he yeah. actually got called up as well didn't he yeah, he did yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, which is remarkable because I heard that we tried to sign him when he was coming back from England but he wanted to play Gaelic yeah he did and now he's yeah. so he's playing Gaelic and he's playing for Bowes I think you see if he had signed for Rovers he would have been signing a full time contract yeah. and he wanted to play with I think it's St. Bridget's or I something I think it like is that. yeah yeah um, and he was kind of a bit disenchanted with the whole football thing he had you know over in Ipswich it hadn't really worked out yeah. and he wanted to well it, actually he was doing well in Ipswich but he just yeah. for some reason he maybe he was homesick stay, or he? something yeah, uh, he did have the option to stay, didn't he? He did, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was his decision to come back. So, so he's um, a part-time footballer yeah. and also playing Gaelic football, and he got called into the Ireland team. Mm. He was in the Stade de France last. Amazing, yeah, mental, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a pity in a way that somebody was saying if Colin Doyle hadn't made the mistake over in Paris to let the, uh, one of the goals in, yeah. that for the the game against America. Um, Martin might have switched the goalies around a bit or something mm, but after yeah. making the mistake he didn't want to be seen to be kind of dropping him okay. yeah. and so that's why he gave him the but game against America and it's actually, Colin Doyle's never going to be our number two though is he? No, no. no so I don't why, so, why no. not? Like, why yeah, not? yeah I, I was thinking that and I think actually uh, Ross Ambert said it on Twitter and I think that's where I seen it and I was like yeah he's right but I would have liked to have seen a different keeper in the second half of the USA game purely yeah. for optics and purely for to kind yeah. of give another yeah. one a, a bit of a run out and see because but I do I, I, I fully agree that I think had he not made that mistake in Paris it would have been more likely yeah but, yeah, yeah. even know. to bring somebody in for the last 20 minutes or the last quarter of an hour or whatever the yeah. other thing is it was one all in the game like if Ireland had been 3-0 up it's Maybe. much easier to bring a, yeah. another goalie yeah. in for the last 15 or 20 minutes whereas if mm. it's one all and the goalie has changed, and the second goalie comes in and makes a mistake. Yeah. Suddenly, yeah. people are saying, "That what, what exactly, were you thinking? Why, yeah. why did you make that decision?" You know. So it's managers. It's, it's Randolph's our number results. one, isn't he? Was that Randolph's our number one, and then yeah. Westwood would be number two, wouldn't he? I suppose he would. Yeah. yeah, 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 so, right, yeah. But he's not getting any younger. Westwood, you know. Um, How old is Westwood now? Was he not late twenties? No, yeah, I'd say he's in his thirties. Yeah, I think, really? I think he's early thirties. Back, really? back to Wikipedia again. Really? Because <laughs> I, th- um, I thought he. I thought he was going to be our number one because I think he's a great goalkeeper. Yeah, no, yeah. I'd, I'd say Randolph is there for the, the long run now. I mean, mm. Darren, he played football with my nephew down in Bray on the street, actually, and my nephew is 27, so Darren is probably about 27, 27 28. Yeah, yeah. So as a goalkeeper, he could still have another eight good years. Yeah, so absolutely. He has at least um, another World Cup cycle in him anyway. Easily, you know? easily, yeah. maybe yeah. too. Uh, and I mean, him. he's playing very well. He, they came close to promotion this season to mm. the Prem yeah. and stuff, so... I'm happy with him. Do you think you know? the uh, West Ham got rid of him for Joe Hart? Yeah. He's a better keeper well, than Joe Hart. Well, oh, I'm not I'm being biased. There's no, no question about that. He is. Is. Uh, yeah. And I mean, in fairness to, to, to Randolph, there's a good argument to be made that he's been probably our most consistent or one of our best players in international. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, I, like, think he's, I think he's done really well. I think, yeah. what were West Ham thinking? Madness. It's the whole English thing, though, isn't it? Maybe. David Gold. Maybe, you know. yeah. He wants Declan Rice to, to, wants Declan to be Rice. Great <laughs> yeah. England international. Well, I think as well, though. I think Declan Rice is committed, isn't he? No, big time. Yeah. yeah. Big time. I think with, with Joe Hart, I think 
people are still hung up on the kind of three good years he had about five six years ago yeah, yeah. and they still geez, he'll, he'll recapture that he did he ever have a good season though Ah, he did, did. yeah. yeah, yeah. A few seasons, like he was built up in a big way by the English media, and they yeah. tend to do that. With Mancini put him Jordan in instead. Would probably be the, the next sort of flavor of the month goalkeeper, well, and he'll be there. Yeah. But it's a position, and we've seen it a lot recently. That you know, confidence such a big, important thing ah, for a goalkeeper. Yeah. And if the confidence goes, I mean, you can see that that he, he's a shadow of the goalkeeper that he used to be, Joe mm. Hart, and even. I think, you know, bringing it back to Shamrock Rovers, Tomer Chinchinski. I thought Tomer was pretty good when he came in. But his his confidence has been yeah. shattered. Is it a confidence thing or he's just not a good goalkeeper? I, I, I think he's a better goalkeeper than he's showing recently. Right. And uh, for me, it's confidence. It's, yeah. it's a position that if you get the yips in any way at all. Yeah. It, it's just going to creep and creep. And, I, and maybe time. that's where the whole thing of like... and. It's part of the game that I get more interested in the older I get, and it's probably just because, you know, I can't keep up with the actual pace of it, so the stuff that goes on behind the scenes are fair, but the whole sports psychology end of things, and those guys and the work that they do, you yeah, know, um, yeah. was it, is it, I'm going to say Enda McNulty, but I don't know if that's right. Yeah, it is. Uh, like yeah. Listening to him talk about those kind of things yeah. is fascinating. It's a huge, huge you know? aspect of, especially professional sport, more so maybe professional than, than uh, amateur. Like I read mm. a book um, recently by a guy called Jared Tendler, and he's a golf uh, mental coach. Yeah. And like, a, all, not all, but a lot of the top players in the world were going to him to work on their, you know, focus and mentality mm. and all that kind of stuff. And he, he actually switched from golf uh, to poker. And a lot of the poker professionals are now using him as a, a mental coach as well. Yeah. Um, and he's, most of his business is now with poker players rather than wow. golfers. But well. it's, it's a similar thing in that they need to control their emotions when they... Oh, yeah. You know, you, you're, you're in with a pair of aces against a pair of tens and a ten hits or something, and you lose yeah. a $100,000 pot or something. To be able to play the next hand and keep your focus and not be kicking a cat or, you go, know, yeah, go full throwing your say, yeah. drink across the table um, is a big, big thing. And, and his book is really interesting, actually. If anybody's interested in... Um, how to kind of stay in the moment and it's all the kind of buzz phrases but it's actually really interesting in how to compartmentalize yeah bad things that happen whether it's a putt that you should have got or whether it's aces getting cracked by tens or whatever and staying and doing the processes and doing the right things all the time and not because you've seen like in any sport you know yeah. kickers in rugby who miss a yeah. couple of easy kicks and suddenly they can't put the ball over the bar for for, yeah. for peanuts well that's um, the, the, the topical one is johnny sexton from the right hand side they're just he had a couple you of know, bad ones there in the yeah um, and in the, the, the new zealand game is probably the one that people hark to the most where he missed that kick and if you've got that that's new right zealand right at the end wasn't it yeah, yeah. you know yeah. and then the few minutes later went down scored a try and broke all our hearts but yeah there is there seems to be something with the right hand side when when he's kicking and that's yeah you know but the, the poker thing's interesting like because i i used to love watching i think it was called high stakes poker he used to be on sky or one of them and yeah it's a guy, daniel negrano was his name yeah. and you can youtube it it's like one of the, the i think it's called the worst bad beat ever or something <laughs> like that where the exact example yeah. used where he had yeah. aces and you thought like this is quids in like i think it was like the hand was up to nearly three quarters of a million or something. Yeah. Huge hand. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! And yeah, is that got, just the pressure though? 
No, well, it's, I mean... It's just, in that case, quite often it's just bad luck. Like, if yeah. you get it in with a pair of aces against a pair of tens, you're 85% of the time you're going to win. But 15% of the time, the tens are going to win. And yeah. you've got to learn to cope with the 15% of the time where it goes against you. And, and your man, in, in his book, anyway, he kind of makes the point that, you know, you remember all the bad things that happened to you. You say, Jesus, yeah. that was, you know, three quarters of a million dollars in my lap if, if, if your man hadn't hit a ten. But he makes the point that there will be times where you're the guy with the tens and you come up against aces and, and you'll mm-hmm. hit a ten and you'll get it. You know, it's swings and roundabouts. And yeah. it's all about not going on tilt, as they say, and playing badly because you've had a bad beat. Um, yeah. You play poker, don't you? Come? I do, yeah. You, I do, do you play professionally, is it? No, no. no. I mean, I, 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 I like to think that I win a, <laughs> a few, Bob. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't be good enough to, to play like at the top top level you know we were talking about this being Vauxhall Conference after Danny Morrison's <laughs> Premier League um, like in poker terms I would be the whatever is below Vauxhall Conference really? <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm, there are fellows who play in the Vauxhall Conference or just below it who, who are pretty good and better yeah. than most but not Premiership not Champions League not yeah. International and like you mentioned Daniel Negreanu there and I watch a lot of his videos and stuff yeah. as well. I find it very interesting. But he approaches it in such a professional way. And mm. um, he's working on his game all the time. He's doing homework all the time. He's working on his mental game. Yeah. He, you know, uh, just is the supreme kind of professional and approaches it in a very, very uh, professional way. And he's, he's just, he's a very good player. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole bunch of young guys from Germany who are coming through who are all mathematical geniuses as well and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, That's mad, you know, those it? guys who are playing at the, the tip top, they're miles yeah. ahead of the, me. The, the, the World Series of Poker I used to love watching and I, I kind of haven't paid as much attention to it in recent years, but when you used to have guys like Phil Helmet and Doyle Brunson yeah. and in the ground or being you're a Phil Ivy all these guys like I used yeah. to love just just watching it yeah. I'm not good enough to play it I can't work out the stuff quick enough yeah. you had to play it you know what I mean but yeah I'd sit it's there brilliant. for what felt like 20 minutes but it was 4 hours of poker yeah. but I need to go to bed yeah. <laughs> well the me? problem but is with the, I watch a lot of it live as well and with the time zones you know it's 8, eight hours behind us in yeah. Vegas, Vegas. Is it? so mm. like if they're starting a, a thing at 3 o'clock in the afternoon that's 11 o'clock at night here. Yeah. So it was on all through the night and, and you know, you're watching it at six o'clock in the morning and you're still goggle-eyed. And I've gone out a couple of times to, while the World Series has been on and I've never, I haven't played in it. I've played yeah. in a few side events and stuff. Um, but there's a guy who plays in our local game here in Kalini, Donico D is his name. Yeah. Donico, uh, yeah. like he's won a bracelet at the World Series and he's been around a long time. Um, and he would have played and still does with you know the Doyle Brunsons mm-hmm. and all the, the top guys and Donica plays in our little sort of 50 euro buy-in game yeah. every couple of months and it's great playing with them because it's, it's like playing a football match with Messi or Maradona <laughs> in your back garden you know like yeah. if he's not Messi or Maradona he's, he's certainly you know I'm trying to think of a very, very good player who isn't the best in the world. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, Crespo. Alan Crespo. Shearer. Or Hernan Crespo. <laughs> yeah. go with him. Um, so like playing with him is fantastic. You know? And he has great yeah. stories about the old days in Vegas. And yeah. like it's, it's probably one of my favourite places in the world to go. I just, yeah, oh, I God, I, I love it. Vegas. Absolutely yeah. love it. There's and have you played poker in Vegas? I have, yeah. yeah. I've done well there, actually. In, in, I play kind of small, smaller buy-in tournaments like kind of yeah. 150 200 tournaments 
versus like the buy-in for the main event is 10 grand yeah, for the, yeah, the world series yeah. um so everybody who plays in it is stumping up 10 grand to play um and they get like seven thousand players or something like that it's crazy yeah. so it's oh a big prize goodness. Like Bruce, the, win, Bruce the first Wolfer. prize is about i think last year it was 11 million yeah something like that for first prize bruce wolfer plays i think nearly every year he, he, i think you mentioned when we had him on but he's he's a big big poker man Really? Yeah, Bruce, yeah, a big one. Um, on Old Vegas and all that, I don't know if you ever heard the book or not, but it just popped into me having you said it. There's a book called Amarillo Slim in a World Full of Fat People. And it's th- all these stories with this guy called Amarillo Slim. Yeah, yeah. And it's from like when Vegas was run by the mob and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And just the inventive ways he used to think to like, okay, I know I'm going to be gambling this, but how do I stack it in my favour? So something as simple as, I think there was there's one story where... He agrees to play a ping pong match against a ping pong champion because he owes money to the mob. And I'm probably going to get this a little bit wrong, but it's basically he agrees to it, and his term to it is I get to pick the rackets. And they're like, are the paddles or whatever? Like, yeah, all right, grand. So for months, he learns how to play using uh, glass bottles of Coke so that he knows. Uh, yeah. yeah, I heard that story as yeah, well. It's, it's a really amazing. clever one. So yeah, this yeah. ping pong champion from Korea comes over and they're like, this lad is going to get smoked here. Yeah. And Amarillo rocks up and he's like, here's your paddle. And your man's looking at it going, are you taking a mick, are you? And, you know, and he's like, no, that's the paddle that we're playing with. And he absolutely destroys him because for months he's just been learning if I hit it with this part of the bottle, it does this, if I hit it for that. And your man rocks up thinking he's going to be using, you know, that, like I think there's a story where they said like maybe frying pans will be used or something that's like a racket but to use a glass bottle of coke and he gets off his death from the mob by winning this match amazing yeah, yeah, the, that was that was Vegas in the good old days oh, <laughs> yeah, mad old days if any interest in old Vegas I'm real slim in a world full of fat people an amazing book genuinely yeah, yeah. yeah. there's another book um, about a guy called Stu Unger Yes, and I forget what the name of the book is, uh, but if you Google Stu S T U, and then Unger U N G A R, and Stu Unger uh, was a young kid who um, started making money, kind of up somewhere around New York or something, in in hustling in these little clubs. You know, I think he, he wasn't playing poker in those days. Mm. It was something like backgammon or something. I forget what it was, but anyway. Yeah. But he ends up in Vegas, and he's the young kid in town playing against all these Amarillo Slims and Puggy Pearson and and Doyle Brunson, all these guys. And he starts winning all over the place. He's he's a brilliant, brilliant young player. But he goes off the rails, gets into drugs, and then he kind of rehabilitates himself. I think he had a kid. It's a fascinating story. Mm -hmm. And it's like you don't have to be interested in poker to to find this book amazing. Um, So that's the one I'd recommend. Stu Unger. Yeah, there we go. I never got into poker. I remember it was always on Channel Four, like at all hours, mm. and I'd be watching it. Late night poker. Oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. that was God. You're showing your age now, Mero. That was <laughs> Jesus. That's twenty years ago. It is not, is it? Yeah. Well, it's fifteen anyway, oh, at least. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, it's at least ten years since kind of poker went through its big, big like. You know, you couldn't walk into a pub without hearing about a game yeah. being yeah, on yeah. a Tuesday or Thursday. You know what I mean? But it's interesting <laughs> as well. Like, it, I think um, the authorities here don't realise how big a deal it is. Like, for example, mm. when the Irish Open is on, I, it was on in City West this year, um, yeah. just around St Patrick's Day or something. And I went out to City West, and there were hundreds, if not thousands, of players from all over the world who yeah. come into town to play in the Irish Open. So, like, the hotels are booming. The bars do incredible business. Um, you know, obviously, the 
places in town, the restaurants and everything are doing well because they're all, you know, mm, going yeah. around. Um, it, like, you, you wouldn't believe it. You just, yeah. you go into that hotel and it's just hundreds of... Did you go out to watch her play? I went out actually to meet somebody. I, I, I was meeting a man about a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't play in it. Uh, do you know what? It always coincides with um, either Easter weekend or... Was Easter around Paddy's Day yeah, this year? I think, yeah. yeah. Um, I, think was I was just really bit. I had a couple of yeah. matches I was doing that weekend that I couldn't get out of. And, and so I'd love to have played. I've actually qualified to play in it through satellites and stuff. Yeah. But I've never actually played in the Irish Open because because um, I was always working, and so that was a pity. But um, isn't for, isn't um, former footballer Thomas Gravison supposed to be great at poker? Have I got that I've, wrong? No, I've heard that. But he I, made I, a load yeah. of money somehow. Anyway, yeah, I saw yeah. a picture of him with his very attractive He's living in Vegas. wife. He's living mm. in Monte Carlo now. Oh, I Monte think. Carlo is it? Yeah. Uh, which is tax free. Which might be. But, yeah, yeah, there you go. A few of them will be living there. I'd say. Um, was it poker? I think maybe a, although I don't remember like I watch it a lot mm. I don't remember ever seeing, seeing him playing him, yeah. any of the tournaments but yeah. I mean Tony Cascarino very yeah. good player really? he was a very good player yeah he, he would have played in some of those Channel 4 <laughs> things or Sky mm. especially um, Teddy Sheringham excellent player no way yeah, Teddy is a really good a player yeah, yeah. Um, Ken Doherty is a pretty good player. Ken, no uh, way, Ken yeah. is. So there's a few. There's a, Reggie Corrigan, the, the rugby player, former yeah, Irish rugby yeah. player, good player. Um, so there's a kind of a, a subculture yeah, yeah. of poker mm. players. And um, when you were saying there that the, um, were you saying the media aren't capitalising on it? Do you mean like to report on it or? Eh, well, or, I know RTE, for example, did the Irish Open for a couple of years mm. when Paddy Power were, were sponsors of the Irish Open. Yeah. So it was the Paddy Power Irish Open. And so I think Paddy Power used to kind of more or less pay for the production of the outside broadcast and all that kind of stuff. And it would be broadcast, say, on, on Network 2 or RT2 at midnight or half mm. past midnight on you know a Sunday night, Monday night, whenever it was. And they used to get huge audience figures for that. Um, like... Like really big audience mm. numbers, uh, and they were surprised because like it was kind of considered part of the sports department. So like at the sports department meetings, they'd be going through the audience figures for Sunday game, you know, Monday night soccer, or whatever. Poker, you know, one hundred and forty thousand people at midnight on a Monday night, you know, yeah. on RT two, which never gets as many as RT one for some reason. Um, so there was a huge audience for it out there. And um, the only thing is, it's expensive to. To cover so really? unless you have somebody like a Paddy Power or somebody who's preferred to to stump up, um, then it's you know money is tight at the moment in in all the the TV companies. But yeah. I I'd love to see it back on TV here again. And Same. Yeah. I mean even if if people want to have a, a look like on youtube and stuff there's yeah. some great videos of oh, old yeah. games some of them and are, stuff yeah. and we'll I, get I, you into it yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah we'll, we'll take a few I've bob a, off you I've before the switch. night <laughs> <laughs> yeah like some of the snap. videos yeah snap yeah snap. 21s <laughs> i went to hooters in vegas to play 21s did you how's the deal i was winning about 70 dollars oh, right. 70 yeah, well, we'll and then i just bottled it yeah i think in vegas i think playing blackjack and roulette are the only two times I've I've ever won money in terms of actually gam like I I played a couple of poker games and I got a really bad beat on one of them. Um, it, w- it was and I'll never forget it actually. I had pocket jacks. Your man had pocket fours, 
and he had a four on the river. Yeah, it's, it's, that's that crossed me. It yeah. absolutely yeah. crossed me. Like, you, you need to read you know, that book yeah, by exactly, your man. Yeah, yeah. Your head back. If to you read it out tonight, <laughs> but it, was, it was like my second game of poker in Vegas. Like I was, it was the first time I went. I was twenty one, and I was like, "This is amazing!" Oh, class, blah blah. And I was about an hour at the table, and it was going great and all that. And I got pocket jacks, and your man went all in ahead of me, and I went, "Ah, fuck it!" You yeah, know, went yeah. for it. Fours, I was laughing. River Fours. Yeah, it's sickening. Yeah. Your, your brother's in Vegas like, now. Will he be playing poker? He's got no, a poker, isn't he? he? Yeah, he used to be big, big into it. Um, but I, he doesn't. But I mean, you know, John. He's a bit mm. odd. Like he, he's, <laughs> for him, poker is work because he can do maths in his head, and he's very good at the whole kind of, you know, all right. If I've got eight seven off suit mm. and the flop comes out with a six in it, okay, what's the probability that I'm gonna get? You know. <laughs> Like that's why those young German guys are so good because they they have yeah. that the the mats and the the they're like ice maidens they just show no oh, emotion exactly, yeah. they're, they're very very good yeah um but uh the, the last time I played in Vegas there was a guy at my table and it was actually his twenty first birthday because in over there you have to be twenty one yeah, yeah. over here it's yeah. eighteen so it was his twenty first birthday his first ever game in Vegas. And it was a multi-table thing where there was like maybe 90 players involved or something. We got down to the last two tables and he got moved onto my table with a huge stack of chips. He was probably the chip leader in the entire tournament. And in the space of about three hands, he managed to piss it all away. Um, And his brother was playing at the table and I could see his brother getting annoyed at him because he lost one hand. And exactly what we were talking about, he just completely lost his focus, lost his concentration, started doing stupid things. And he lost all his chips in literally in three or four hands. And I, I felt sorry for him. I was kind of glad in a way because some of the chips <laughs> came my way. Yeah. But um, it was an experience for him, a learning experience. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah. 21st birthday. First thing he wanted what to, to do, do, play poker in Vegas. Yeah, and, it's it's you know. crazy. Like that, well, I mean, well, we're talking about like kind of in sport and as like, you know, something enjoyable for some people. It is a dark place as well. Like, so, oh, there's you know, no, listen, there's yeah. no doubt about it. I was just, again, speaking of books. I read um, Tony Ten there yeah, recently. Yeah. I don't know if you've read it. Declan Lynch's uh, no. book about your man who who We're the man, man who it, lost. Yeah, he yeah. was robbing money from on bus to millions, fund wasn't it? His, his habit. He, well, he gambled ten million. Uh, now he won about nine million back, or you know, eight and three quarter million. So he was down like over a million, and ended up going to jail because he was embezzling money from on post and stuff. And it was a salutary tale. I mean, I know we're kind of having a bit of crack here about Vegas and going yeah. over and playing a bit of poker and stuff but it's re- but there's two things I would only ever play with an amount a buy-in that I'm comfortable that I'm happy yeah. to lose I'm getting a bit of entertainment out of it if, it if I get like six hours in Vegas playing a tournament and I get knocked out and I don't make any money I still think you know I've had a couple of drinks I've met some nice people at the table yeah. I've shot the breeze it's been a good day you know it's no problem and I can afford to take that hit Yeah, uh, it's when People lose that money and then they go out to the machines and start trying to yeah. win it back and they start putting more money into the machine yeah. and they suddenly, again, it's about control, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that, that is a it's whether part. it's drinks, whether it's drugs, whether it's gambling. Absolutely. Mm. You know, there are some people who will lose control. It's like yeah. the Louis Theroux documentary in Vegas. Did you ever see that? Oh, God, oh, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. following the guy and he's just putting notes. He's not even looking at the machine. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. answering the questions to Louis yeah. and he's just putting the notes yeah. into the And machines. there was another one where there was an elderly lady, I'd say she yeah. was in her 80s. And of course, mm. the, the casino were being lovely. Ah, Mrs. Uh, course, Jones, yeah. you know, yeah. welcome back. Great to see you again. Yeah. You know, By the way, keep putting your money into that machine. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and she... 
I think over the course of her husband had died and left yeah. her money or something, she was losing That's like right. she was a couple losing of million yeah. to them. Yeah. Of course, they're going to give her a nice room upstairs, and yeah. you know she free. doesn't even use any of that though, because she I lives down the yeah, road. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. she just trundled she in. Just, and yeah, goes in and goes money out. out. Actually, just on that, the whole the way hotels kind of treat people who are gambling big and losing big mostly. But um, ESPN Thirty for Thirty podcast. Yeah. Did you listen to the one about Phil Ivy and I can't remember the name of the girl that was involved? Story of a couple of years ago, he um, went to a casino. In London with this girl, and they took it for millions. Oh yeah, they won about seven million or something. And it went yeah. to court and everything yeah. because they had figured out a, a particular system yeah. of if you're playing. I can't even remember. Do what you know game what it was? was? It wasn't. It wasn't poker. They were playing some. Yeah, um, was, I, uh, I want to say baccarat, but I don't think it yeah, was. Yeah, it's funny. I was going to say the exact same thing, and yeah. it's something sounds like that. Yeah, Punta Blanco or something. something like, anyway, whatever yeah. game they were playing, there was a, a design on the cards that they were playing with, and they noticed that the. De- the design on a, on certain cards must have they must have been able to identify which cards yeah. were which. Now they weren't they weren't marking the cards. They weren't doing anything illegal. It was the casino's fault. Mm. So they won seven million, and the casino decided not to pay them. Yeah. So Ivy Phil Ivy takes the casino to court, and the the court finds in favour of the casino. So he's uh, then appealed it to a higher court, and the higher court has found in the casino's favour as well. So I think he, I mean, he's a very rich guy. He's one of the best players again in the Mm. world. So he's going to the highest court in the land now, uh, hoping to be third time lucky. I'm kind of on his side on this one. I mean, if they make a boo-boo, you know, if 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 he had lost seven million, They'd be, would yeah, they have said, oh, "Actually, look, look, the design of those cards isn't great. Here's well, yeah, your seven million yeah, back, exactly. sir." You know, that's like, look, it's always in favour of the house. You know what I mean? That's, Absolutely. But, um, but the, that star, that uh, if you just any podcast, the ESPN Thirty for Thirty podcast, Phil Ivy, you'll be able to hear the yeah, story. I'll have full. to have a listen to that. Yeah. It's amazing because yeah. it starts off by them talking about the girl that's involved. I cannot remember her name, but essentially, it was what you were describing. She was in the MGM. They were treating her lovely, lovely, lovely. Something happened where either her or one of her friends had a bad loss on one of the tables. Suddenly, the attitude from the MGM changes, yeah. and from there, the story builds to her meeting Phil Ivy and them going on this tear. And right. it is—it's just fascinating and amazing at the same time. And then ultimately, the, the, yeah. the card is it only like, podcast or is it a thirty for thirty documentary? No, it's just a podcast. They released, I think, a series of podcasts as part of like the big yeah, you know, celebration yeah, yeah, yeah. of thirty for thirty, and it—it's. Some of the other ones I was a little bit disappointed with, but that one in particular, I'll cool. have to have a listen to that. Those, those 30 for 30 TV documentaries oh, are brilliant, superb, you know. absolutely they're, brilliant. They're, they're, now, they're Champions League in terms of TV production yeah. and quality and the time they put into those programs. Unbelievable, uh, yeah. superb. They can really sit there good, just yeah. watching yeah. one after the other, and even, yeah. and even if it's a sport you don't like, yeah, yeah absolutely. The, yeah. the baseball one, Catching Hell, is one of my favorites. I'm, oh man, I couldn't believe that when I was yeah. watching it. The Ric Flair one was brilliant. Ric Flair is brilliant. No mass, the uh, Robert was it Robert Duran, Robert Duran, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the boxing one, yeah. unbelievable. Um, Survive in <laughs> advance, uh, Jim Volvano, and the Wolfpack, oh, a North Carolina, South Carolina Wolfpack, I think it is, the college basketball team, they've never mm-hmm. won a state championship. In comes this coach who, again, touching back on the whole, you know, mental aspect yeah, of the game, yeah. who we just made them believe. Like, really? Just, yeah. oh my God. Sounds so like Friday Night Lights. A little bit, yeah, there's a little <laughs> bit of that in it. But there was even like, one about a marching band in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. The no Baltimore way. Ravens had a marching band and this, like, it's, 
in theory it sounds like a heap of shite but actually it was really brilliant yeah all about well, I'm not even going to tell yeah, you because yeah. you're going to watch oh, it so actually, I won't yeah. spoil it I love it what's, what's um, happening and what's surviving advance myself and, and a friend of the show Anthony O'Dea actually talked about these recently and the two of us were just going back and forth and what about this one and what about yeah. this one there's and so many I haven't seen a bad one like yeah. oh, the other one that I'd recommend at the moment um, if you haven't seen it on Netflix is Last Chance You Oh, I've watched it, yeah. yeah. I'm, in the, I'm on the second series. Yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm starting the second series. The coach is mad, isn't he? Fantastic. Yeah, again. He's loop, nuts. The loop, yeah. yeah. Um, I love the way he curses, gives out blind, <laughs> and then at the end of the match, let's come in for prayer. Yeah. <laughs> so American, isn't it? <laughs> so American. It's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about the Olympic Games. You've covered so many. Yeah. yeah. That must have be, been a highlight. That's, is that a highlight of your broadcast? It is, one? yeah. I think it's probably my favourite thing to, to work on. On. I mean, first one I did was Atlanta yeah. in '96. Um, Jeez, what a one to be introduced! I know, yeah, it was Michelle mad. Smith. Uh, that was the one. Actually, we were going over Jimmy McGee. God rest him, Jimmy. Yeah. Counted his life almost in the number of uh, Olympic games that he covered. Um, we were going over to Atlanta in '96, so I suppose Jimmy would have been kind of maybe 60 then or early 60s, and we were flying with Delta Airlines from Dublin and Jimmy was wearing black trousers and a black shirt and Jimmy being Jimmy of course is going around to everybody on the plane leaning on the back of the seat you know how are you well you know just shooting the breeze with people and the um, air hostess is coming down with the trolley and she says excuse me father could you get out of the way <laughs> <laughs> he did look like a priest no going way. around kind of but um, yeah because funny speaking of Jimmy you know the one black spot that Jimmy had was that he could not see any wrong Michelle, in anybody yeah. and of course Michelle Smith was the big story that year and Jimmy could he actually to, not see the wrong in anyone dying day yeah. he would defend her yeah. really yeah. years yeah. and years could, and you could put the incontrovertible facts in black and white in front of him of everything that happened and he just yeah couldn't, couldn't um trying to think what was it about two, I want to say 2011 maybe 2012 I was working in the Sunday world and um, he came into the newsroom one day because I think at the time he had a, an article or a yeah. column with them and for whatever reason just Michelle de Brown came up and his response was almost like just a shudder came down yeah, and his yeah. response straight away was she's still our most successful Olympian isn't she That's and that was he couldn't, you know, he couldn't look past that um, yeah. and actually the other thing did I you ever discuss it with him privately It'd be like banging your head off the wall there. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was no... You, you couldn't. Because he, he just wouldn't... He wouldn't accept the the facts and the, mm. the whiskey in the jar and all that kind of stuff. Um, he just... Like the unexplainable improvement in her performances and yeah. the links with Eric De Bruyne who had been um, yeah. involved and we so on. We had Paul Howard on a few times and... He, 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 he gets he very is, animated when he, he gets very animated about it. about it because he's working in the Sunday Tribune and like you said the, enhance, the kind of enhancement in her results as she got mm. older and he, he he remembers working in Sunday Tribune and getting faxes in from Holland and Germany mm. of her performances and her times and he was like must be a misprint that yeah. has to be a misprint how the hell yeah. that can't that can't be right she's getting older but she's getting better yeah, yeah and yeah. and you mentioned Eric the Bruin I think I think Paul approached him did Paul approach her 
Eric the Broom, was it? I honestly I can't remember from when he told yeah. us, but yeah. But he gets very animated about mm. that. That's yeah, not. I'd be expecting you to remember all my answers, by the way. Yeah. I'm doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing in, in 96. Memory, unfortunately. <laughs> That's the only thing. Um, I don't know if you. I, I think a lot of people forget about this, but in 1996, at the Olympic Games in Atlanta, the broadcasting center that we were operating out of is um, a massive building. It'd be yeah. like. If they put the, a, a roof over Croke Park and multiplied it by like two or three, that's because it's like every Massive. studio for all the three times the size of Croke Park. Yeah, yeah, literally. Oh my God, Croke Park's it's, only little ground. Don't I mean, give me jail. I think problem. they came up with some stat like if you took all the cables out of it and put them in one line, you know, get you to the moon and back or something. Like Jeez, it was, it's, yeah. it's just it's it's an unbelievable place to go into actually my because Lord. you're queuing for coffee and you know there's somebody from Japan in front of you and somebody from Jamaica behind you and somebody from Italy and Switzerland and Germany and it's, it's one of the reasons I love the Olympics because you're you're meeting yeah. people from all over. But one of the nights uh, when we were we had just gone and a bomb went off right outside the uh, broadcasting centre in a bin and two people died I think a lady and her son Jesus. but Michael Slavin who was our show jumping commentator was walking past as the bomb went off like he was he wasn't injured or he wasn't you know he didn't get the blast but he was literally there like 10 seconds later or something so of course the, they cordoned off the whole area but nobody was allowed to leave like he had to sleep on a school bus uh parked at the side of the road because oh because they were interviewing everybody and wouldn't allow anybody move and stuff and it's, it's like it's only when you think about it like if you think about you know the stories of michelle smith and yeah. all that kind of stuff and yet like two people died in a bomb that's all I, yeah. I, yeah. I never knew that i've yeah. never heard that I, I, yeah. I thought there was a bomb scare but I'm no it actually I, went yeah. to somebody put a bomb in the bin and, and that's crazy because like one yeah. of the things that i did hear about the atlanta olympics and i, I i've never bothered to, to fact check it or verify it because it's one of those things where it's don't let the truth get in the way of a good story but prior to the olympics atlanta council or whatever you want to call them mm. like the city government or something like that went to a huge number of the homeless people in Atlanta and basically often one-way tickets to Hawaii so that there wouldn't be homeless on the streets yeah, and then yeah. you look at Hawaii's homeless problem now and a huge number of it can be traced back to 96 when suddenly this massive wave of I homeless think that, people that, that, I, I'd say Atlanta isn't uh, alone in, in mm. that you know I remember in Beijing they painted the the brown mud green to make yeah. it look like grass on the side of the roads yeah. and there's this stuff they do to dolly up places the other thing they did in atlanta was also the worst organized olympics really? ever <laughs> that i certainly that i can that was remember your first yeah um i remember when we arrived they had all these volunteer bus drivers and stuff you know so when you arrive at the airport you check in you get your the thing you hang around your neck with your accreditation number and all that kind of stuff and all the bus drivers were from like honduras and guatemala and stuff and because we were arriving a couple of days before the Olympics started, this was kind of like their first day or, you know, yeah. they just started. So we'd say, we're at the airport, we're going to the, the Marriott Hotel, please. And the Marriott would be like a five minute drive from the airport to to uh, the hotel. But you, the drivers didn't know where they were going. No, none of them knew anything. They couldn't speak any English. And I remember Jimmy was taken off. He was on a different bus to us and it took him like an hour and 20 minutes to get to the hotel. And bit cranky when he arrived. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't too often that Jimmy McGee was cranky, but he was yeah. a bit cranky that day. But it was, oh God, it was terrible, bad organisation. Yeah, the yeah. security was terrible. Everything, it was just, that was a really 
I think lessons were learned after Atlanta in terms of how to organise an Olympic Games. And, mm. But if you if you ever get the chance, I'd so recommend it. I know people are very cynical about, yeah. you know, drug taking in sports, which, you know, just you, you have to be realistic. But just as a celebration of, I'm going to sound a bit naff here now, but I think as a, a celebration of humanity, people mm. coming together from all over the world and most of the time having a bit of a laugh and mm. enjoying yeah. a bit of sport I just I think it's brilliant you, you just know? mean the yeah. Olympics in general like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and even like say in Rio uh, where a lot of the locals wouldn't have like the tickets are expensive for mm. for most of the, the events but um, there were a certain number of them that were sold at like kind of local prices for, for local people to go along, say yeah. to the, the morning session of the athletics or something like that, yeah. not necessarily the finals. Um, or even things like the marathon going through the streets, you know, you can get out and just watch them running past yeah. for free. Yeah. Be, feel like you're part of the, the thing. I, oh God, I love it. I yeah. love it. Although yeah. the flip side of that is that they spend so much money on stadiums and stuff that maybe just run they away. should be spending that money mm. on people who are living in well, poverty and yeah, yeah and well stuff, I mean you know. just, just on that and not to be I suppose a complete um, cynic about it and that kind of thing but I mean Athens 2004 looked beautiful and then you look at what's happened to the stadium yeah. and the places yeah. now like I mean it's when, a disaster were, isn't it Athens yeah, yeah when, yeah. You, when you were yeah. at it did like you know, was there much kind of like, yeah, nothing's going to happen with these afterwards or was everything I, shiny, no, I, shiny? I suppose you're so in the moment, you don't even think about it. Um, yeah. But I I mean, I do look at those pictures and it's really sad because yeah. like some of them, so like some of the, say where the archery was on, for example, it was like the stadium was built like an old uh, Grecian, you know, yeah. Parthenon sort of style thing. And it was amazing. Uh, but I think even in places like that are kind of quite progressive, like Sydney, the big mm. Olympic Stadium out in Sydney, as far as I'm aware, is like a white elephant now. It's, yeah. it's kind of out in the, I was going to say the arsehole of nowhere. It's, it was a long yeah. way out from the centre and it's not really getting It's mad. Deals, no, it's you know, not, no, it's crazy. Um, I think they were hoping for that. I, when I was in Australia and away, I think they were hoping for... Australia? Yeah, I think they were hoping for the A-League um, to use it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think it's just gathering dust. Yeah, yeah, which is really, really yeah. sad, you know. You know when yeah. you're in the at the 96 games and the and the news about Michelle Smith broke, were, um, were your colleagues from different countries looking for words from you or... Like was there a, was there a real? Yeah, c- although I think like mainly from probably from the guys who were doing the swimming, you know. So a lot of it would have been done down there, and yeah. and like I remember going over on the plane to Atlanta and talking to the guys who were going to be covering the swimming and saying to them, look, is there any chance that this could be, you know, just a freak of you know nature and that maybe everything is tickety boo? Yeah, and they were very cynical, and yet they were very cynical, right? very cynical. But if you listen back to the commentaries on TV and radio, and I mean, I was hosting the radio coverage and we were doing all sports, but obviously, you know, for the first week, swimming is a big deal, especially when you're winning medals. And in hindsight, I don't think I was as uh, questioning enough on the air. You always felt in the back of your mind, can I say something here or do I end up you know, in the courts for saying something that maybe I shouldn't be saying. Yeah. Like at least when you're writing an article, you can run it by the um, the, the legal people mm. and make sure that there's nothing in it that's gonna you know defame somebody or whatever. Mm. 
And in fact, there were instructions in RTE from on high to be very, very careful about what you say. Really? So no matter how cynical or, or how... Uh, so you're just told to celebrate it, more or less? Yeah, I mean, like in, as I moment. say, in hindsight, I think we probably did celebrate too much. Mm. And I probably got as excited as anybody when she was winning the gold medals. And, and when I look back on it now, I kind of think we should have at least, even if we didn't kind of put it out there that you know she's taking drugs yeah we we could have been a bit more circumspect and a bit more questioning of 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 it and i don't i mean it's a long time ago now so i can't can't really remember our programming and how we approached it but i think we were more cheerleadery than we should have been right well i think it's It's hard though isn't it because like drugs at that time in sport were yeah, it I was, was only starting to come I, out, well, wasn't it? No, really, if you think back, like, in the, the 70s, the East Germans and the Czechs yeah. and the Russians, like, some of their world records on the track still stand today mm. um, because they were super-powered. I mean, it was it was endemic in, in East Germany in those days and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, like, there was a, a, a Czech runner called uh, Ludmila Kratochvilova, whose 400 metres record still stands today from like 1976 or something and yeah. she was built like that's a, nuts isn't it uh, yeah I mean it was but crazy I, th- those records should all be expunged as far yeah. as I'm concerned and start with this you know brand new you know. Like, yeah. I think that's yeah but I suppose that comes with its own set of problems as well doing that I guess but I mean I'm trying to think I mean I, I was nine when the Atlanta Olympics were on so I was you know it was eight when the Atlanta Olympics were on so I don't really remember but where the general public as clued in? Yeah, in well, I mean, I was, I was in sixth class, and you two are making me feel so <laughs> old. This is sickening. I was in sixth class, and the teacher brought out the video. Yeah, brought out I, the TV to watch Michelle Smith. But I just mm. and I, I'm I'm obviously saying yeah, look, because you were a kid. That's why there was no. You don't remember people talking about. Ah, oh, she's definitely no. But on there the was tellies and all in the vegetables. Stacking in, in no, Tesco's no, no, and all. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but what I'm saying is, where people like now, people are very clued into drugs and sport. Mm, people yeah. are very. I, I where think the general in Atlanta. Has, now I was over there, so I wasn't mm-hmm. here. It was, it, it's like the old Con Hulan thing, you know. I, I missed the Italian '90 World Cup because I was in Italy, you know. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, when she was winning the gold medals, that Irish people love when people win gold medals yeah. at Olympic Games Absolutely. or World Championships or whatever it might be. And I think there was an awful, a, a huge number of people who were waving the tricolour and just celebrating Olympic gold. Yeah. I think there was a percentage of people who had raised eyebrows. And I think subsequent to the Games, people like um, Tom Humphreys, in fairness to him, uh, Paul Howard and mm. others um, were forensic in their analysis of the thing and I think as time wore on people started to read these articles and say oh yeah yeah something stinks here yeah. and yeah. this doesn't add up and they they did amazing work uh, like really brilliant journalism and I think then people realised actually you know this isn't as yeah. glorious as we might have thought um, while it was happening though like I can imagine kids in school, an Irish person is winning oh, a gold yeah. medal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's hopping up and down, and and yeah. 
It's probably like think, well, there's no way an Irish athlete would take drugs. That was it was kind of a naive view, view yeah. yeah. And um, you know, it took a while. I mean, really, if she had retired after the games, from her point of view, it probably would have been the thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kept going and and th- kept digging in a way. Yeah. The yeah. hole got deeper, and eventually she fell in. As each as each Olympic Games went on, um, did you get more cynical because? With drugs and sport, yeah, yeah, because it uh, seemed like that. Now, in retrospect, it's only because Paul Howard would have said this to us, but it the coincidence of each host country nearly topping the table yeah. when it comes to Olympic year, like that. yeah, yeah. That advantage isn't just about geography. Absolutely, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that, like. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You just have to look at the figures and um, the amount of positives in so many of this sports stuff, like weightlifting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, God, it's, you know. Uh, but even track and field, obviously mm-hmm. cycling, um, wrestling. Yeah. yeah. You know, there are people taking drugs. There's no doubt about that. But I, I, see, I still go to the games and I still enjoy them mm. yeah. for what they are. Um, but I'm uh, my eyes are much more open now than they would have been 25, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I do watch athletes on the track now. For example, I did um, track and field commentaries for RTE in, in Rio. And there were some performances on the track, which again, I felt were just not credible. Mm. It's a really tricky one, though, when you're I'd doing commentary so, on yeah. a race because you have to kind of Jesus. project the excitement of the occasion. So if, you know, A and B and C are all coming down the final straight and it's really close between the three of them, it's very hard when you're doing commentary on that race to say A is winning, but B is catching up. C, I think C is taking drugs to be this close <laughs> to these two. It's yeah. really hard to do that. Whereas I think for a written journalist, they, they can kind of yeah. be a lot more reflective. Of course, yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's fair, though. I think everybody kind of, you know, as I said, when you have time to be reflective, I think that's where, you know, uh, criticism and, and critical thinking come into it more. But mm. in, in the heat of the moment in live commentary, yeah, if if I was watching something or if I was listening to something where suddenly the commentator became very deadpan and was like well I'm suspicious of yeah. this one it's a really I mean the BBC take a huge amount of stick um, for they, like they're accused basically of cheerleading for people like Mo Farah um, but it's really really difficult I think mm. for the commentators who are commentating on a, a race that Mo Farah is running in to again to to start questioning, you know, who, what coach has he been using, or you yeah. know, he he trained with a guy who's It'd be been great done to hear for, it, though, well, wouldn't it? Well, well, imagine it would be interesting, but again, you, you you'd be sailing close to the wind in terms of absolutely what's yeah. provable here. Mm, and what, mm. Like if you're saying in front of 18 million British viewers, you're purely speculating. About, you're, yeah. You, yeah. you know, unless you have incontrovertible proof, it's very difficult yeah, to, yeah. to come out and say that. Is there a juxtaposition of all this though? Because isn't it? I always find it fascinating when uh, Justin Gatland is involved in that. Now it's almost mm. like they're at pains to tell you. Remember, yeah. folks, Justin yeah. Gatland. Yeah, yeah. The positive almost banned. Yeah, you know, it's almost and, like and they, and they they don't do that if Linford Christie is. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I mean the other thing about it is, um, for example, when it comes back to the panel on BBC, I think it would be uh, incumbent maybe on the panel to kind of say. 
Janie Mackos, you know, that's that's unbelievable. At, at yeah. you know, thirty four years to be coming up with that that sort of time, that improvement or, or, or whatever, like at least posing the question maybe. Yeah. So I think that's a fair enough criticism of of them. But I think for the guys who are actually commentating on the race, it's a really difficult situation to, yeah, to find. And, and I, the same thing goes for say the guys who are doing cycling commentary on Eurosport and Froome wins the Giro d'Italia. If you're commentating on that race and you're being paid by Eurosport to, you know, transmit the excitement of this occasion, again, it's a very fine line because, I mean, Froome, obviously, there are huge, huge, massive question marks about his credibility. Uh, And I suppose in a commentary, you can drop it in maybe in a cycling commentary because it's a long enough race over, you know, four hours or something each, each stage. You, you can raise it but when he's charging for the, for the line and he's about to take the, the leader's pink jersey as it is in the Giro you still have to try and get excited and say yeah, yeah. you know Froome is coming up you know, well, you're doing it because you're doing it not knowing that something is up yeah, do you know what I mean yeah. and you're or, not but even if you do know something is up it's still, still a very difficult one to, so. I suppose that's one of them where you have to kind of balance the the roles and responsibilities of what you're there to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. I suppose it's, it's like you were saying, where somebody <laughs> who's writing an article, it's their job to maybe use critical thinking and be reflective of it. A commentator's job is very much to portray the emotion and excitement, the excitement of, of the occasion. Which, yeah, you know, yeah. so and yet, as a commentator, you still don't want to be a complete cheerleader for people yeah. who are cheating. So it's it's yeah. a I, it's a tricky one. It so commenta- tricky commentators one. are sellouts, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be mad though to see Mo, Mo Farrow win a race and the BBC commentator go, well done Mo Farrow, you juiced up bastard. Imagine. You said that, not me. Yeah, yeah exactly. I want to that is not the opinion of podcast either. No, that's, uh, that's just my point of view. Graham American. Allegedly. 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 It'd be um, mad though, it'd be so funny. Would, would you have a kind of standout moment from the work you've done across the, all the Olympics that you've covered? Is there something that you kind of look back on and go, do you know what, I am delighted that in some way I was a part of the, the memories of people for that one like. of the best memories I have was a night in Sydney when Sonia won her silver medal mm. behind Gabriella Jabo who subsequently tested positive <laughs> for drug taking <laughs> so that's a real pain in the rocks because I mean that should have been a gold medal for Sonia but anyway yeah. she got a silver but that was a night when I'll never forget it because one of the great things as well about being a, a broadcaster or a journalist at the Olympics is you, you get these things that you hang around your neck and basically they're access you know to all the best seats in the house and these mm. there's, there's about three events the basketball final is one of them funnily enough the 100 meters final in the track and field and there's one other maybe it depends what country you're in if there's a particular yeah. sport that they're really big into so those events need a special kind of super duper pass other than that like say in Sydney now I had a night off so I went down to the track I'll never forget because Yvonne Judge was working with me at the time and, and Yvonne came with me we were about five seats back from the finishing line right on the line and we were saying like for somebody to buy a ticket to be in this position would have cost them like two thousand dollars what at least you know I mean it was like literally the best seats in the head perfect view and so to be there because Sonia won her gold or her silver medal that night um they had, um, there was an Australian, Freeman, Cathy Freeman. Cathy Freeman, yeah. Won the 400 metres and the atmosphere 
because she was a home favourite, winning a gold medal. Aboriginal as well. She wore, I don't know if you remember that night, it was, it was 2000, you were probably both about 12. Um, <laughs> but she wore like a, an all, all yeah, in one body remember, suit. Yeah, and yeah. She actually had a thing, like a, a hood on her head and stuff. Yeah. So it was a weird thing. But um, the atmosphere that night was incredible. And actually the other thing is when she won her gold medal, she, she brought out the Aboriginal flag. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant that she was brilliant. representing the Aboriginal people who, mm. you know, um, had their own had their own yeah. problems down through the years and stuff. And the and the crowd just gave her. And if if I'm not mistaken, I think um, did Michael Johnson win the 400 meters that night in the men's as well. So it was just one of those amazing nights of track and field. And I remember when it was all over, turning around to Yvonne and saying, you know, we were blessed yeah. to be here uh, to be paid. To be on the other side of the world, to witness Sonia O'Sullivan winning her silver medal, to witness the like the atmosphere is, is one of the best atmospheres at any sports occasion I've ever mm. uh, been at. Full house, obviously, again because she was going for gold and she was the local favorite. The tickets were like gold dust, and so that was that was one unbelievably yeah. special night. Um, and I was actually at um, Michelle Smith. De Bruyne winning one of her medals uh, in the swimming. I was actually there the night she won the bronze. Mm. Um, so at the time, I remember thinking, God, I've seen an Irish person winning a, a medal. And, and I wasn't now as excited as I was the night Sonia won, but it was still to be at the swimming arena and everything was, was, uh, yeah. was good. Um, and Were you there when Katie Taylor won the goal? I was, yeah, yeah. yeah what in was London. that like? Uh, that was incredible. That was another one. Because it was kind of quite a low uh, ceiling in that stadium, the noise was just bouncing all over the place. I was kind of, we were doing the radio coverage and I was thinking, Jesus, these mics are going to blow now. It's just so really? loud, you know. Because uh, it was like being at a football match, like just the cheering and everything was yeah. incredible. And... It's funny, I almost kind of felt there was an inevitability that she was going to win the, the gold. Um, but to have been there, was that was another magic. Do you ever see the one, recording you know? of uh, Daryl Breen and Ed Bourne? Yeah. And Daryl Breen's balling as well. Yeah. Is it? Really? Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> the Bray connection there, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, That's they, right, yeah. They yeah. did the... Um, they did it for BBC. Mm. They were, him himself and Ed Bourne were going off. Like, what was the name of that stadium? I can't remember. Oh, in, in London? Yeah. Well, the, the boxing. boxing was down by um, the London City Airport. I forget they had they had a name for yeah, it, like the yeah. X Y Z arena. They followed him throughout that day, and he was interviewing Irish fans that came yeah. over to watch it. And then uh, he started when he started crying was the national anthem when she was getting the gold medal. Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that was, was deadly, that was yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I was t I was doing the commentary when she was getting the the medal, and I could I remember hearing my voice kind of cracking your throat. Yeah. I, actually, for the semi final when she won the semi final, we I wasn't working on that one, but I was in the the stadium, mm. and uh, David Cameron was sitting in the row in front of me. All right, and I was thinking to myself, you know, if I if I had a Actually, maybe I shouldn't say this on a podcast. <laughs> but I, I, if, if I was of a mind, I could have Don't clipped harm. him on the ear yeah, yeah. or anything, yeah. you know. Um, but I suppose they, they check you going in. But even still, uh, I just thought it was weird that he was just sitting out just in sitting the middle there of the... Yeah. the yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that would, be a, that would be a real special one Brilliant. as well. And actually, you know, doing commentary on, on um, the... 
what's it? Oh God, a mental block. Uh, <laughs> the Jamaican sprinter who's very fast. You saying bold? You saying bold? Yeah. Um, the questionable Jamaican sprinter. <laughs> the well, you, you, allegedly words. You, your your words. <laughs> um, watching him and doing mm. commentary on him in Rio was that was amazing as well. Just to kind of think because you know like him or lump him yeah. he's, he's a legendary figure in the he, sport he never he looks does. like he gets yeah. into fifth gear like did, mm. did, you'd have doubts about him would you yeah his relay partners are after testing positive retrospectively um, there's no testing in Jamaica mm. I, I definitely would have doubts about Usain mm. Bolt and Mo Farah mm. yeah I, you see the, the, I'm, I'm not an expert now on this mm. but nor am I <laughs> uh, I I did speak to some people who saw him running as a like a 14 and 15 year old and they said he was just an unbelievable physiological freak right, at yeah. that age and they said they'd never seen anybody run as fast at, at 15 years of age and have that kind of physique and stuff um so i i'd like to cut him the benefit of the doubt yeah but yeah I, mm. I think for the sport as much as anything else if, if he ever did retrospectively test positive or something like that i think it would be so damaging for oh, huge. the sport yeah. uh, I, I still think people need Heroes to look Absolutely. up to, yeah. particularly sporting heroes. Yeah, we need sporting yeah. heroes because yeah. sport gets countries together all the time. There's no doubt about it. Do you know what I mean? No so doubt about it. It's even more disappointing when you hear, yeah, one of those heroes retrospectively done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like like you said, the woman that won the Sonia race. Sabo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. She uh, Sonia yeah. could have got gold. Yeah, and likewise, uh. there was another time where two Chinese definitely super turbo charged juiced up chinese yeah, yeah. Uh, beater i think was at the world championships um and it's like for, for the clean athlete mm. that must be heartbreaking such a yeah. disheartening thing to happen you know you work your butt off for yeah. two years four years maybe and then you know in the back of your mind that that person is cheating yeah yeah um, it's definitely one of them things that even as a fan and like you're saying, the whole sport and heroes thing, like you know what I mean. And that's uh, on both. I would love for them to be innocent and pure, so to speak. But there's that part of me that kind of goes, <sighs> he's beaten all the guys who are on drugs and every record that's been set by people on drugs, and yet we're supposed to, you know. But then, as you said, it's the romance of it. I I must you know? be a romantic then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, that's the, the but even even you know if you think about the um, the walkers, you know the, a few of them have tested positive. Yeah. And, and when somebody gets a medal, it's bizarre, like. you know, uh, sort of six months or sometimes six years after an event, it's not the same no, as no, standing no, on the podium, the even if you're not hearing and your you own anthem, anthem. Yeah. just to be on the podium and know that for 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 history yeah when people see the the video footage yeah. of, of the podium after that race then um it, yeah, you know it's not quite the no, same it's not. they had their moment yeah. there and then as far as they're concerned whether they cheated and they're found out six years down the road they still had yeah. their moment it's yeah. not uh, yeah, yeah. The podium imagine, is the moment i'd imagine the hard work put in doesn't quite feel as satisfying when you have a little asterisk beside mm. the thing to say awarded the medal whatever yeah, in retrospect yeah. or yeah, I know Olive um, Lucknan got a medal um, mm. again like I think it was six, something like 6 years, or yeah. Yeah. She's got on the Late Late Show didn't she? Did they actually give it to her on yeah, the Late Late Show? Yeah I think they did yeah. yeah and you know 
that's a nice moment and everything, but it's just it's not, not the same. And that's how she, that's what she said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is yeah. nice, but yeah. you know, yeah. this is six years too late. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, we're we're well, we we ran over before. I just want to ask, yeah, I just want to ask one more question. Um, in relation, we were talking about the League of Ireland earlier on, and you know, we had the plea of go out and watch the next Bork or whatever. We this conversation comes up maybe a month or two weeks before every League of Ireland season you know what can the FEI do better can the RT, can RT get better Air Sports seem to be brilliant with the League of Ireland what do you think we need to do to get increase the attendances God that's the $64,000 question yeah. isn't it yeah. um, I think facilities is a big thing I really do in this day and age yeah. I think people if you go to the cinema it's not the same as the cinema that I went to as a kid mm. 40 years ago if I go to a League of Ireland grand some of them are the exact same as they were 40 years ago. I think people nowadays want proper toilets, somewhere where they can have a bite to eat, somewhere where they have cover over their head if it's raining. Mm. Pretty basic requirements, yeah. you know. Yeah. A lot of the grounds don't have that. Um, so I think facilities is a huge thing. I, I do think um, marketing, uh, I mean, the FAI have definitely, they are stepping it up. I mean, um, that has increased I think the social media is definitely stepping up big time big time yeah. Uh, yeah and that's you know that's one way of connecting with people um, some of those little films like Bose made a great one this yeah. year brilliant the, the Terrace Talking bringing, Terrace yeah, or something uh, yeah. Ter- Ter- Terrace, Terrace is not TV yeah, yeah. Um, Football Loves Us with Rovers that was brilliant and I, actually last year as well Rovers did a great video of just the match night experience, you know, including drone footage overhead mm. and mm. fan footage, and it was really cut very well. And and anybody who watched that would say, "Jesus, I'll give that a try." You know, that looks yeah. it's only yeah. down the road for me. I mean, I get depressed because I drive sometimes towards Tala on a Friday evening, and I see these pitches on the way down, like in to my left as I'm driving along, and there's all these young kids playing football and stuff. And I'm kind of thinking, "Jesus, you know, your local team is only ten minutes yeah. walk from here." You know, why are you wearing a Manchester United jersey? You've no connection with Manchester. You're from Tala. This club mm. represents you. They've got Tala on their jersey. Mm. And you're ignoring it. Yeah. Give it a try. And I swear to God, the more people that give it a try and sample the atmosphere and feel part of the the family, I think they'll come back. I mean, I'm I'm really encouraged at not just in, in Tala, but in a lot of the grounds. I look at the footage now from Dundalk and stuff, the amount of young kids going to the games, yeah. wearing the colours of their, their local team. And I think once you get the kids young, Absolutely. you've got them for life. Yeah, because they'll know? have that memory. Yeah. like of, Big time. Because there's um, not, like, live football being there is much better than watching on the TV, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. More than watching on the TV. It, it is to an extent, but I think to... to, to Go back to your point, Con. Facilities play such a big part of it, and like I, as a season ticket holder at Leinster, one of my biggest fucking qualms for a long time was oh, the facilities in Georgia. There's no roof over where my seat is. Yeah. Cold December, Friday night. Oh, you know what? It's on TG Car. I'll just yeah. watch it on TG yeah. Car. Yeah. Like, and I think you know, like you know, I get that, but my, my point would be like when Rovers were playing the RDS, there was no wheelchair section. I used to sit on the bush. Mm. My dad used to have to place me on the bush mm. in the RDS. Yeah. Martin, when we played in Martin Stadium in Santry, mm. there was no the running track. Was I was cool. I was on the running track. Yeah. 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 You know, there for me the facilities for wheelchair users is awful. Mm. Even H- where would be the best? 
Um, like Rovers is grand, but the the situation you have at Rovers is that when people you have the brigade that like to leave ten minutes before or five minutes before, and, and they suddenly just walk in yeah, front of yeah. you. You also have the issue like we had on Friday, Air Sport set up a camera right in the middle, right in front of the wheelchair section, and it's blocking one right. of the nets. Yeah. So I move up. Then you've got the guards, and they're standing in front of you. Yeah. You know, um, one of the best, I love going to Pats, because it's at the back of the stand. And it's a raised. And it's a raised. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't been to Cork yet, but the lads, um, Rovers fans, wheelchair users that have been to Cork, the new Cork facility is supposed to be brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Um, Waterford is brilliant. Um, Waterford yeah. away. Um when we get to the cup final the Aviva is brilliant oh yeah it's, yeah exactly when yeah. we get to the cup final it's brilliant when, when when Paggio played with Wolves I went over to, to watch him and um, in Molyneux this the the wheelchair section is integrated into the stand right so there's fans behind you and there's fans in front of you and the first person in front of you even if they stand up like the Aviva yeah yeah um, they're still at your knee level yeah. but you're yeah, in a stand you're covered if yeah. it pisses rain yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's a very basic basic the, thing the original you know? thing for Tallow though was um, on the opposite side in the stand mm. but too many people are walking by so you're yeah. having a hope of, yeah. of viewing yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's like even for say the stand that's going up behind the goal mm. it would be great to think that that has been thought of yeah and I that, don't think it has that, no it probably hasn't mm. because they know? have they have enough in the main stand and the east stand um, it's just the same issues would occur like, yeah, do you know what I mean because yeah, they, they yeah. do have the sections yeah, they yeah. just the security do their best to, to police yeah. it like. but even toilets you know I think toilets yeah. My, yeah. my other half comes to the matches with me and she actually in fairness Tala the, the, the toilets in beside the 1899 suite and stuff yeah. are actually immaculate they're yeah. really really good but we've been to a few away matches where, Awful. you know, it's it's like the the black hole of Calcutta or something, yeah, you know. Yeah. Or the lose. I think the customers in this day and age, and they are customers essentially. They're mm. buying a product. They're paying money to go in and see the product, um, expect and demand more. So I think that's one area. If there was sort of grants maybe being given out yeah. for, for facility upgrades. I think toilets would be a yeah and it's mm. it's kind of weird i completely agree with you because there's nothing more off putting to walking in and it being like an a music festival you know yeah disaster. yeah but, yeah but then also it's kind of one of them where i also say well i mean look at fellow fans and look at kind of the, the lack of respect that they're showing the facilities in kind of some of the ways they're treating it you know mm. especially around toilets like Mm, yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. we've we've all experienced even in the Aviva, which is which is great. Like, but I mean, you walk in after half time, and it's like, oh god, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's and have, I get have it, you I seen get that video from Scotland that was on Twitter? No, no. Ago? Oh, oh, is this your man seen. who climbs yeah. in? He he yeah, does yeah. the dive into the. Oh, he oh, did see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't. Uh, oh, no, I, I hope no. he he won a lot of money for that bet. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was stupid. stupid. He needs more than a penicillin shot after. Yeah, yeah. Um, sticking with football but very briefly as well before we let you go Con, because you've been really generous with your time uh, World Cup is kicking off this week uh, what do you reckon? Um, it's funny because I was watching uh, Eamon Dunphy at the launch of the RTE thing today and he says um, that he's going for Spain and Brazil he thinks Germany are past it so maybe I should be putting my money on a Germany, Germany. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, but, that's a great <laughs> start now. Uh, do, uh, do you know who I would 
Actually, I'll tell you who I actually have bet on. I've had a small bet yeah. on France. I'm the same. Yeah, I just Genuinely. think the depth of squad that yeah. they have. Um, Jesus, they have the, the lads they left players. out as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why I have a sneaky suspicion about them. I think they're about eight or ten to they're one they were about eight to one when yeah. I got them anyway yeah. Yeah. you're a better bookie than me if you got it at ten I think, yeah. <laughs> well, again thank me brother for that he's a demon for the odds checker but, oh yeah <laughs> are we all ruling out England then yes hopefully yeah. <laughs> you see I was born in 1966 right. so I was actually alive when they won the World Cup and it's basically haunted me for the whole of my life um, and, and anyone else that was born in so, 66 so uh, I, I couldn't bear it if they won another World Cup. I don't think they have the quality to do. Although, you know, something, the one time that maybe people don't expect them to do well, because they've, they're always overhyped, I think, yeah. in England. They, they think they go off thinking they're going to win the World Cup. It's been pretty low key this time. Um, no, well, the Raheem Sterling stuff. Oh, that's, that's bad. That's just that's that is bad taste, ridiculous. isn't it? That's, that's just tabloid at its worst yeah. you know yeah, it really um, is yeah that's the real ugly it's not even journalism um, but it's the ugly ugly side of tabloids I mean if I was advising him I would have said to him get a different tattoo but that's you know it's his business it's his body whatever yeah. you know um, but that was but he seems to be pretty cool about it like he yeah. was speaking at a press conference the other day and he yeah. kind of was watered off a duck's back yeah. and you know, yeah, yeah I've seen that and it was actually interesting I think the way uh, England set it up they don't kind of like the NFL do where it was all the squad um, basically mm. and basically all you, you around, around yeah and yeah and i thought that was up. well done it was as well like before the super bowl where the yeah, whole yeah. team comes mm. out and the press just kind of go around in a circle you get your couple well, of minutes didn't know that. Yeah, was, it, was, it was really it was good to see the, the other ones uh, who i don't think will win it although that might come back and bite me on the arse is argentina yeah i for the stance they took on the israeli match this is coming back to last week's show now and the the uh not playing Israel um, because of what's been happening uh, I'd love Argentina to to I'd love Argentina to beat England in the final like. oh my god <laughs> that would be unbelievable uh, Messi hat trick actually no I don't want England to get to the final because yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be too tense that they might actually win it but so. if they, if they did, <laughs> it would be so tense wouldn't it <laughs> if they did and it was against Argentina I would also like there to be just just a live cam on the Falklands yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just watching how they react Las Malvinas <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah but I, I do you know what it's Brazil or Argentina I'm going with Brazil, I, Argentina. Yeah, I don't what know. What about you then? I, as France is the one that I've yeah. backed. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I have a, a mental block, or I have some sort of block when it comes to Argentina. I just don't see them as a, a team, if that makes sense. Getting and, over the line. Yeah. And how they have left out a, a, a Cardi, I don't know. Mm. He, like he was, he was uh, well, maybe died off a little bit towards the end of the season in Syria, but he had a great year overall, and yeah. he's a yeah. smashing player. I just I can't see Argentina for Messi. I mean, I'd love I'd them love to win Messi, a World yeah. Cup for him to be able to say, you know, I've I've done the biz. Mm, yeah, you know, I'd, uh, I'd be the same. It, round off, and I mean, he's the best player I've ever seen, ever, 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 ever. Yeah. Uh, I I used to go to Barcelona a lot, um, and to watch him in the flesh mm. was one of the great. Yeah. Really, I'm, oh, I'm a messy God, cynic, yeah. you see, and, and we've, I've got enough aggro on this podcast without going back into it. But uh, I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to Messi, so I'm, I, I don't, I can't, uh, and I don't know if it's your team, Ronaldo, are you? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'd be team Daniele De Rossi to be fair. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd take a team with the Rossi's over any of them any day. I just love that style and that type of player, you know. But um, I appreciate yeah. both of them. Yeah, no, yeah. he's a I smashing mean, player, but I just have question marks. 
Yeah, I, I, just watching him dribble with that ball it was like I, I never saw well actually did I see George Best playing when he was at Cork I might have actually but I never saw George Best playing in his prime Yeah. but Messi to me looks and dribbles with the ball a bit like the way George Best used to as well and, mm. oh mm. god to see him get on the ball and just whiz past guys and didn't, slam yeah. him through defenders did Moby Charlton play for Waterford he did yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was telling and someone at work the other day and they didn't believe me he yeah. did yeah. Uh, he played for them against Limerick because we had Carl Spain on recently and Carl Spain the comedian yeah. was the mascot for Limerick the day they played Waterford no way ah. and Carl's dad got him to shake hands with Bobby Charlton he had no idea who Bobby Charlton was <laughs> unbelievable uh, I was saying to Carl it's a pity like nowadays of course with the mobile phones yeah. there'd be all the yeah, photographs yeah. and everything he has no record of that whatsoever oh, other no. than the fact that Craig his dad Yost. told him yeah. that's Bobby Charlton uh, that's but, amazing that's, I mean it'd, it'd be a really interesting programme actually to talk about we haven't got time now but yeah. all the people who played in the, the League. League of Ireland dance, like Gordon Banks played yeah, for St. Pat's yeah. Rodney Marsh Rodney Marsh who did he play for? Rodney Marsh played for Cork. No way. Yeah. Um, I should do an end of, end of season special on greatest league in the world. Great. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Could Could we we Gilbert. Do that. Yeah. Good episode. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think of him. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> he's, he's gone out of my mind a long time ago. Johnny Giles, mind you, he would have been yeah. up there. Yeah, he's definitely featuring. Uh, yeah. 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 Now there's been some great. Uwe Seeler, the German, played in the the '66 uh, final. He played in the League of Ireland as well. So uh, yeah, there's been a few, few. Big names, not 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 any better than Graham Burke though. No, not for the moment. <laughs> no. He's the man for now. So, and they're yeah. selling his jersey, his Ireland Burke twenty four jersey that. on really? Saturday. Yeah, and that, the, do you know the, the iconic shop? thing about that jersey is the rainbow numbers and yeah. stuff. I think that's yeah. going to be a, a bestseller. Like I, I think I really I'm going to buy it on Saturday. Yeah, I, I generally do think it's a brilliant idea. Super um, idea. Yeah. And I I didn't know that the Yanks were going to have the rainbow jerseys on their mm, either line until the match uh, jerseys too. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see how that went down in <laughs> Tennessee and Alabama. It'd be interesting to see how that went down in Washington DC with yeah. your man <laughs> good point yeah <laughs> um, yeah so you've got two for France and you're saying I'm saying Brazil or Mar- Argentina. Argentina okay yeah, well sure. if you're having two I'm going to go for two then as well okay. I'm yeah. going to go France and I'm going to go to snub my nose at aim and I'm going to go for Germany Germany oh, okay. they're always there aren't they Germany there or, or if they're not there they'll be there about yeah <laughs> 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 and on that note, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Colin, thanks for being again coming in. I really pleasure. enjoyed that. Uh, if people want to hear more of you or more from you, where can they get you? Uh, greatest League in the World podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Podcast, podcast Republic, and whatever you're having All yourself as well. Places, so yeah, yeah. Greatest League in the World, once they type that in, that, that'll find Dead. us. And, and unlike Danny Morrison, I don't have any books to vlog, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But, Not but yet. I'll set yeah. for listeners to the podcast. Dead. Not yet. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Merlo, I've enjoyed this one. Yeah, deadly. Good man. Um, thanks to Patrick Castle for putting a roof over our heads. You can go to witspatrickcastle.com to check more of their is that someone coming in no by the way I stayed in Fitzpatrick's in New York as well uh, the one near Grand Central Station yeah fantastic yeah there you go huh? look at that it's the big spot. brother of here that's right yeah it is the big brother of here yeah slightly uglier brother than this beautiful beautiful <laughs> abode that we call home yeah. every week now um, <laughs> sorry cut sorry track um, yeah that's it for almost you can check out all our previous on iTunes Stitcher Podbean Podcast Republic Podcast Addict anywhere and ever there's a podcast Mero 
uh, at uh, WTF pause. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget. I'm flustered yeah, I, there. I, I, I thought you, you were going to do it, so yeah, I was like, I could see you kind of drifting off into the distance there. I was remembering, yeah. and then you did it, and I was like, well, he doesn't need me now. Yeah, and of course, WTSpod.com or WTSpod on Twitter. That's it. Until next week. Here it is. Full hearts. Can't lose. Look. Mm-hmm.